0: Warning, the following podcast may cause you to change your understanding of what it really means to be a human being. Side effects may range from a minor loss to complete annihilation of ego, a feeling of merging with something bigger than previously conceived, and a deep, abiding peace. Please, continue at mortal risk to yourself as a separate entity. Welcome. Greetings, 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 all one-time listeners. Welcome to another episode. We're closing in on the end of Season 1, and there are a few more people I would like to share conversations with, and others that perhaps will be featured in a Season 2, if there is a Season 2. As I come towards the end, I'm interested in making sure that the impetus of the whole podcast series is met as best I can do so. I haven't talked about yoga, really, um, and we won't today in this Conversation with Kara Lehman, who is a yoga teacher. Uh, she's also a Reiki practitioner and massage therapist. And how do these things go together, and why would I want to talk about yoga? We are a, a blueprint, sort of, our bodies. You know, we can identify humans from a distance, there's a structure to our vessel coded in our DNA, and in the architecture that is our physical form, we have a harmony that can be in a natural native state, and we can find ourselves in disharmony when we develop blockages and then don't clear them out, maintain those blockages. We get Discomforts we get misalignments in our posture in the flow of our our energy in the relative position of all of our various dynamic parts with each other, and it can affect our state of being. And perhaps if we're any sort of antenna, it affects our ability to send and receive and communicate with well ourselves number 1 uh and not just with each other and perhaps it it will influence that but but maybe to an extent a uh a communication that is in the ether that is beyond audible words or visual signals Kara is a receiver, a good receiver, of communication, which is beyond the audible and the visual. And I don't think it's a coincidence that she is attuned in her body, and her physical self, and her spiritual or, or non-physical, let's say, self, that her energies are flowing in as close to an optimal way as she can have them, uh, practicing this and and giving instruction in it. And my own experience with yoga, uh, my first teacher was in her 60s. I was in my early 20s, and she had a broken back for several years, uh, over a decade, I think, maybe more. And it was never fixed, but she had practiced hatha yoga, and it was that which led to her healing and eventually to her instruction. And that was my introduction as I was simultaneously studying Hindu mysticism, so there's a fantastic alignment there between the uh, philosophical or spiritual practices and applications uh, with the physical, the yoga, the yoke. A lot of people in Sweden here, when I'm meditating, they ask if I'm practicing yoga. And to me, I've never, uh, had like, a, uh, an equation of, of yoga equals meditation, but there is a connection there. There is a, uh, transcendence of the mental noise in the practice of yoga. There is a, a tuning in to the being and the the physical representation of our being and our body, when we are moving it in such a way that we are present and in alignment and feeling for that point of of balance. And when things are lined up and when they are, when you have a good teacher that can help you into the right position to make these small corrections that make all the difference in the world, and you are willing... mm, not participant, but practitioner, there can be a a rather sudden and elegant shift into alignment that you feel, and it feels good. It feels whole and wholesome, and in that, healing. So this conversation with Kara, uh, we will talk about... A bit about uh, Reiki, that I call Reiki, and um, forgiveness for that mispronunciation. And a good amount about uh, what she refers to as angel readings, Uh, but we also talk about that they, you know, these are communicating uh, what is coming through from beyond the veil, in whatever form of of entity uh you know loved ones that have passed on or other ascended beings uh or or other entities altogether and how that has been facilitated how she a bit of how she came to discover it some examples of uh people who have been her clients and the experiences that they've had and hopefully uh, we'll talk again more on the experiences of her her clients and how revelatory the angel readings have been in adding to or expanding their understanding of what it means to be a human a human being so we'll get right into it Uh, thank you for being here As always, take a breath and feel it, and feel yourself in your body, and be grateful for this being, for the beingness of being human, of being right now, alive in this fantastic experience of life, and love yourself with gratitude love yourself for being alive as you would any baby anywhere you are not a from that you are a part of the beautiful experience of life and love each other and have peace and enjoy enjoy here you go all right. There you go.
1: You. Yeah. Oh, good. okay. Let me oh, look at how official you are. Hold on.
0: I'm super official. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, um, I'm at my friend's house. I may have to switch rooms and stuff, but he's in the other room on a phone call. So we're right. going to
0: do it. It's cool. Yeah.
1: Right. Thank you for being patient. I feel like my friend used to say, I've just crammed 10 pounds of shit into an eight pound bag.
0: Oh, my grandma used to say into a five pound bag.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, god, I've got this much time for this much time. And my five, mile, five miles of gas weren't helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. It's all right. Time is time is very expansive and fluid. And it, everything happens at the right time.
1: Yes. Well, I believe that. Mm-hmm. All right. Talk to me, Ken. I gotta well, get you a bio, but go ahead.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, cool. Uh and this will go out hopefully on Tuesday. If you can't, if your machine is still in the shop by then, uh oh. we can we can wing it.
1: Okay. I can um cut and paste some stuff. I just have it all on my old Mac that is now, I had by buy a laptop and they're transferring the data. Mm. It will not be ready by Tuesday, but I can sure. cut and paste from my website or something.
0: All right, like cool. That. How so, old is your Mac?
1: 2012.
0: Yeah, that's how old this guy is. I'm, I'm worried.
1: Yeah, it's, it was so slow. And then apparently <laughs> Mac has forced obsolescence. So you've got about yeah. two more years and then it won't even be serviced
0: yeah no they won't service it anymore um <laughs> yeah i just watched a program on forest obsolescence and you know it came through in the depression era looking back to our our relatives that you know whose shoulders we stand upon and upon to be here um and they had like nylons that wouldn't wear out for example and oh, that's really? gonna put you out of business so you had to make them run you know you, you had to yeah. make them uh have a lifespan so cradle to grave was not na- needed um but uh for economic reasons but now we're we're coming back to that hopefully we're we're making things that last longer and i think we've got we're we're shifting our our focus a bit with a greater understanding of we've got a finite planet and finite resources and uh we, we got to make things last i've got uh, as i usually do a dog here with me He might Uh bark once in a while.
1: That's fine. He
0: does at the perfect moment when I can edit it out. Otherwise, if he does when we're talking like now, (laughs) that's going to be. He just had his balls removed also um, on Friday. So just a few days ago. And he is wearing a cone on his head. So it's like a barking dog with a megaphone attached to him. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah that's
0: nice he's a sweetheart he teaches me a lot and uh and since the surgery too he's not a very affectionate dog and i know that's something that can change as an after effect of having those those that hormonal system you know paired away yeah um but i've loved at night with the cone on his head he I'll wake up and he's snuggling in my arms. He's never done really? that. I've had him for like four months. Uh, he's tough to place because he's a very spirited being.
1: What kind again is he?
0: He's a mix uh, of of three spirited dogs. He's a German Shepherd, Australian Shepherd, and Border Collie.
1: Oh, that's right. So yeah. super
0: brain power, a lot of energy um, needs pretty continuous stimulation. So it's been a challenge with him. Like I can only take him out now for a short 10 minute walks and take him slow and, and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. And once this, once he starts to feel better, that's it's no, it's no easy task to keep them calm with that, with the cone on.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think he's that at that point, but what I do is I, I take the cone off uh, it, it's on at night for sure. But otherwise during the day I have it off as much as possible, but I have him on a leash. So that okay. I can always be tending to him and making sure he's not licking his former balls.
1: Yeah. The incision, the, the balls the that used to be, site. yes, the
0: incision. <laughs> site. Yeah.
1: Hey Russ, if you want to switch rooms, just let me know. Hi Russ. <laughs> yeah, he will not be he will not make an appearance <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah illy my wife is in the bedroom with uh mando i think it was quiet for a while and once i started talking mando was like what's going on out there and he had to see yeah. but um well he's I making love another to appearance. See the
1: windows with the lights in it that's one of my memories of stockholm yeah how you have little lights and all the windows except you have the shades closed which is counter to what i recall
0: that's for backlight as we do this with video so i don't look like uh you know an fbi informant um but Mm -hmm. also we're on the ground floor so we often have them not closed like they are now but just so we don't feel as exposed we'll have sunlight coming through but not like wide open yeah we're in a busy neighborhood um this is all in the intro this is the all this banter we're already in in the episode, okay. Um, so we can we can turn it to you. I'd like to. Uh, we we already had a session. So the way that this came about was through um, the conversations with Heather Dresky and uh, the experiences, the very positive uh, experiences she's had with healing that you have facilitated, and that's very meaningful because uh, it's been tough for her to find those uh, like effective healing experiences and that was fascinating to me and then she talked a bit about uh something we'll get into also in this conversation what uh we can call angel readings though it's broader than that and you can talk about that too but there's where i said wow like i know you from way back we went to middle school together you know through puberty that time (laughs) and uh i think it's so great like i i had been listening to i forgot what had turned me in this direction but i've been listening to um podcasts uh i think it was it was a it was a netflix episode called surviving death and that that like you know sparked some interest so i searched out more direct experiences of people uh with the either uh life-after-death experience, you know, or an out-of-body experience, and there's some podcasts out there, and I started listening to them, and I was really intrigued uh, with the experience people have, and the just like you can tell, it's always so, at least in the, the ones I listen to, authentic and honest, and it may be beyond our ability to explain exactly how it's happening. But nevertheless, it's happening. And there's enough verifiable experiences there to say, hey, this is legit. So that's why I wanted to talk to you. So before we did this uh, connected today, you gave me a, an angel reading. And I had looked up my ancestry.com links ahead of time to you know, kind of get a feel for who might be coming through. And you threw me a curveball, and it was so surprising. It was so unexpected, and uh, and we'll talk about that later too. But to set the stage, tell us the story of of how you got to be involved in this stuff. Reiki as well. Reiki was is uh, I should mention with the healing at a distance with Heather. That's one of the things you do. So, how did you get to where you are?
1: Reiki is translated to universal life force energy, and I want to back up a sec. One thing you just said is when you were listening to the podcast, I heard you say you're listening to people's experiences. And I, I, whenever I talk to somebody, I want to explain to them that I'm working through my own experiences too. So I get a little, when I read books or I hear people speak, when they say, this is how it is, I get my automatically, I get a little defensive. Mm -hmm. So I love that you just said from your experience, what you believe, you believe to be true. You said something else that I'm losing right now, but all I'm speaking about today is probably 10 or 12 years of experience of working with people, working with energy and learning that they're just, like you said, there's so much else out there. And I try to, that's what you said. I try to give up wondering how it works mm-hmm. or what's really happening because mm-hmm. we're not going to really, I don't really feel like it's all that relevant, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. and I don't really care about those details. Um, I care about what comes through, and so I was. I learned Reiki. I was a hospice volunteer, and I would sit with people and hold space for them, really giving the caregivers a break. So I got trained in Reiki so that I would have a reason to touch them, to hold on to their, hold their hand. And at the time, it was a time in my life when I was every touch had an expectation to it. So I had little kids, they, you know, they, now I crave that touch. But at the time I was like, they always need something Mm -hmm. or they're hospice patients and they're being touched and it may cause pain or you're with um, a spouse or a loved one. And, and, you know, there's no such thing as a free background. There was always something in exchange for touch. So this gave me this, like, I can hold your hand and just offer you that touch. And that in and of itself, I think is wonderful. And so that's what I did. And, and then I would, I just saw this, like I just would imagine these things. So I don't, I've never seen a ghost. I've never, I, I don't see ghosts. I don't walk into a room and get the chills or feel cold air. I just can tell you this story and it just feels like I'm making it up. And it was, it was, it really threw me for a loop and it was really cool and really fascinating. And I found myself kind of launching into that spiritual, much like you did, like you I mean, I didn't do a podcast, (laughs) but I would see clients. And then I, um, I've come to believe that the Reiki keeps it sacred. What I've done, what I've learned through a lot of therapy and experience is that I've probably always had an intuitive ability like many of us have but I had sort of an angry childhood and I think I shut it down. I think I took a lot in, didn't know how to manage it. So I just turned it off. And I think that inviting in the Reiki energy, which is sacred to me, I believe keeps it safe for me to use my intuition. So again, whether or not that's true universally, I don't know, but it makes me feel safe and comfortable to say, I can connect with you. Ken. it's safe for me to explore what's around you or what's inside of you and share that with you. Mm. And then we do a little, I say ritual, but it's a, you know, it's a prayer and intention to keep that whole time sacred and safe. Mm. And then I close that door when we're done. And I don't like, I was like, all of a sudden you start talking about your ancestors. I can't tell you anything about our session except for, there's something with your dad, but I think your dad's alive, but except for the mother ayahuasca that we'll talk about. Yeah, so yeah. when I, when I, when this whole gift got uncovered, these angel readings, I began to believe that I was seeing or feeling or imagining loved ones that have passed. So people would come and I'd get a name and be like, oh my God, that's my grandfather. I'd be like, well, he says this, he's showing me this. And over the years, people have shown up not just, I used to believe that there were people visiting, that there were spirits that were coming down to communicate with you. When I'm sort of shifting, I just had this realization this morning, thinking about our talk and thinking about your experience is that maybe I'm seeing how the spirits and the angels live within you. Maybe I'm seeing who you pray to, who you believe in and how you see them because I don't see sick people. I don't see how they died. I don't, sometimes i see age but i always would say to myself or believe like that's how they want to be remembered but maybe it's how you remember them or how you hold them in your heart
0: yeah that that makes sense um they're a key as i understand I, I had some training in reiki um and uh one of the primary points of engagement is to to have the permission of the person that you're healing to to use this energy to explore that healing experience together and that permission is really important because it is like a a foundation of intention and it's saying yes i'm willing to be healed i'm willing to connect in this way and uh you know have at it and and that is that's such a key thing to give that permission and then and then you're entering that space together.
1: Yeah. And it's not um when you say the word healing it's it's not mm-hmm. as the practitioner I'm not healing you. Mm-hmm. It's I love the word connection. I always think of Reiki as this universal life force energy, this love source and it's like a faucet. We all have access to it. But if you haven't gone through the attunements or practice it's like your faucet is not quite turned off and the energy sort of dripping through you. And the more you practice and the more open you come with intention with attunements or training um, it opens up that and that energy flows and it flows through me and into you. And maybe it doesn't reside in you. Maybe it flows through you and kind of pushes out those blocks and allows for connection and movement and shifting and maybe healing as a result of that, but that's for you to decide. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And, and, and as soon as I said that word, it seemed too specific. Uh, I'll, I'll add uh, my own understanding. Well, that's it. It's, it's my own understanding. The more that I am able to understand uh, is healing and that can, it can feel difficult. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you talked about a difficult childhood. Uh, I had my own version of a difficult childhood. And uh, that's one of the things that is important to embrace, to understand, to allow, to not try to deny the pain through distraction or something, but to sit with it, to, you know, be with it, to, to embrace it. And (laughs) I was going to say that
1: to embrace that. Yikes.
0: Yeah. And to me it's through, it's through understanding in any form, the more I understand it's, it's becoming more whole. And that's what I would say is for me, I consider that sort of healing. um, Yeah. Less specific, but yeah.
1: Yeah. So over the years, um, one of the things I want to talk about your experience, that um, people show up, and I was so used to people showing up, you know, people that you know that have died. Mm -hmm. So I used to get a little rattled if someone's like, oh, I don't know who that is. I've tried to let that go. And what I'm learning is that these impressions, whether let's, we'll call them spirits for the sake of our conversation, but those spirits are communicating with me so that I can communicate with you. And they've got to get through my own layers of junk. So I've got my own set of baggage that comes through that if one example, um, I've got a little bit better, but like if a, if somebody's lost a son, I have two boys. I don't like to see that. So Mm -hmm. they got to come through a different way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They may not show who they are, and maybe they'll just describe themselves to me. And then I pass that information along to you. So one of the, um, this was very early on, I had a couple friends slash clients, I was just getting started that were um, ministers. And this first person came, her name is Joelle. She's given me permission to share this story. Right on. And she, I'm like, Joelle, who do you pray to? You've got this man, he's at your head. And he's telling me, hears your prayers. It starts with J, maybe it's John, it's a J name. And she's like, "Uh, Jesus. I'm like, seriously, Joelle, you're telling me that Jesus is in the room? and she's like of course he's in the room why wouldn't he be in the room he's good god sent him down to be with the people and i'm like i could i i'm sure that i rolled my eyes I was like <laughs> okay whatevs <laughs> like let's just go with that uh-huh. and so that was the first experience she goes care that's who i prayed to of course i pray to him. I him mean, she she was a um presbyterian minister mm-hmm. so i grew up catholic but not very practicing uh um and and then this other woman used to come regularly and she had the same three people show up and we called this one guy, junior and he had a very good sense of humor. And I would always like, Jesus, G- junior says this junior feels this way. And so that was about the time that the book, the shack came out. And so I couldn't get. don't know get it. Through. It, seems, oh, it sounds know.
0: vaguely familiar.
1: It was a book too, but it, I only could. I could get through the first like couple chapters. I tried a few different times, but it started out with a little girl dying. And the moral of the story is that the Jesus and God shows up in different forms, and and in ways that will accept him or her or it. And so this book came out, and it challenged what Jesus looks like. And I remember saying, and so, so those two women happened. Then I had this other friend came who is um, Episcopalian, I think, not Episcopalian. I'm not sure what religion is, some Christian religion, big believer in Jesus. We're going through the session. I was like, oh, you've got some guy in the corner. He, um, he's kind of scruffy. He's everybody's friend. He's like, he's just kind of scruffy old guy. Looks just looks really nice. I'm going to call him Johnny. And she's, she's talking, I was like, Johnny says this. I'm like, oh, I want to get to know Johnny. And and I said, um, he's like a fisherman. And she goes, and I and, and he, she goes, uh, is it Jesus? I'm like, that does not look like Jesus to me, Laura. Uh-huh. <laughs> she's like, Kara, fisherman, the fisher of all men. I'm like, you mean the Jesus fish, the peace fish? Like, I had no idea of the reference. And she's like, yeah, I'm like, okay. And so that was the time that I was like, this book came out, these three people came. And I remember saying to my friend who had Junior, Annalie, do you think Junior could be Jesus? She's like, no shit. Like, of course it's Jesus. (laughs) She's like, what's wrong with you? And through the years, Annalie comes and all these symbols come that she knows represent God or her God. And I don't know like the Omega sign. I don't know. There's all sorts of symbols Mm -hmm. that I am unaware of, but Mm -hmm. because I don't have that bias and that trigger, it gets through to me. So it's pretty cool. One time somebody had a really um, jolly fellow. What was Buddha? Mm -hmm. And and he's like, well, I pray to Buddha. I'm like, Oh, of course you do. (laughs) Mother Mary shows up, but like they have to, now I know. So the same person that came through as Johnny, the scruffy fisherman, I moved away for a couple of years to Stockholm in London came home and I saw her again and she had a lot of loss in her life. And I was fully prepared for Johnny to show up and Johnny wasn't there. So a couple of friends were there. This little girl was there. And I said, Laura, it's weird that Johnny's not here. I'm like, all I see is this yellow light. Like there's all this yellow light in the room. And she said, well, carrots, it's my job to be Jesus's light. Like that's how I that's how I walk through the world. And I was like, oh. So again, I'm looking for one thing. My hackles are up. I'm reaching or I'm resisting. Right. Yeah. But he shows up a different way yeah. so that I will receive it. And so now when I'm in a reading, if I see yellow light, I'm always like, did she pray to Jesus? <laughs> do you uh-huh. pray to Jesus? Because he's in, he's in the room. <laughs> or I'll yeah. see a you yeah. do. but I'm a little more open. So that speaks to your experience. So you can talk about who you pray to.
0: <laughs> yeah well, you know I don't I don't pray uh to her and my like my experience through religion uh w- which I'm not gonna go into deeply, but definitely I was um raised cr- Christian. Do you hear that tone?
1: Oh I do and you know what I um let me.
0: But you know it's it's really interesting in the last interview I had with Jacob Oblitz um, there were some rings going on once in a while and they would punctuate an idea like oh, really? it. so in such a cool way so this I've noticed this beep go on three times I don't know if it's Oops, on my side that's or your not the side one we went. Sorry um, go ahead That's okay it's it's even okay if it's there don't worry about okay. it Um I think it's interesting the first time it went off in this conversation was uh, when when you first mentioned Mother Ayahuasca. Okay. Thing. And then another time was when you're talking about Jesus, like, is it really Jesus? It, it, you know, the fish? Bing. Um, it, it's just interesting. So I, I think that is interesting.
1: Cool. I'm putting it on do not disturb now.
0: <laughs> <Right on. laughs> um, uh, so raised uh, raised Christian, but you know, like my grandfather was Christian scientist, and that's like um, almost what I would consider closer to Gnostic Christianity, like trying to understand the uh, the more, the origin of it, like what's really, what, what, what are you reading in between the lines? Like what is really being said here? What is really like the healing all about? And that's where like on, on the extreme or, or maybe on the expected um, for Christian scientists, they wouldn't go through surgery or see a doctor or something like that. And there's all sorts of places along that spectrum uh, where there may be uh, exceptions to that but it's basically an understanding of the spirit and in, in a legit, like in a real way, not so much storybook, but what's, that's why they call it Christian science. Like what's the kind of science that's happening here in, mm-hmm. in a way we didn't really, uh, we, we stopped going to church cause it seemed too commercial um, but I had been baptized as a young, young man, like uh, maybe seventh grade, maybe a bit before. Um, and As a child, I was really, really sick a lot, and there were only two things that helped me to find relief from pain. One was very Buddhist in my experience with like uh, Vipassana meditation. Okay, when you were a child? No, no, no. As an adult with Vipassana meditation, um, it just parallels the, the Vipassana experience. If there's a pain, it can annoy you unless you like really like stare it right in the face like go right into it and then it's like dissolved. So that was effective as a child when I would have this uh, these these long periods of pretty intense pain. But the other was my mother praying and putting her hands over me and I would legit feel relief. And I had like blisters in my eardrums, like, you know, this wasn't psychosomatic. I was like very sick. I had small eustachian tubes that connect your nose and your ear and they would get inflamed and actually, a tube that was put in my ear when I was an infant that the doctors thought fell out had actually fallen in and it wasn't until my late 30s that it actually came out again. <laughs> um, so there were there was legitimate um, inflammation and infection and pain, and it was through praying with Jesus's name that I got healing. So I was an early like right on like all right, this is there's something legit here. But as I grew on. um, I would question why, why do Buddhists go to hell? Why, if you don't accept, you know, Jesus, like you're not going to heaven, like, I I had a tough time with that, and really began to uh, then want to find out more about other religions, because I recognize there's good people out there that may worship a different way. Um, And it's like many hands that point to the moon, you know, different, different hands can point to the moon, it's about the moon, it's not about the hand. We get caught up in the hand the religion but it's not about that it's about the moon so so then from there i've i've certainly developed a deep appreciation for hinduism for native american uh experience and and spirituality um buddhism absolutely which i think is much more practical i wouldn't even maybe call it spirituality but it certainly helps to open the the clear portal to see like where am I at and what's going on and, and what's all involved here uh, and Christianity and Islam as well. Like for, for what I've known from direct experience and meeting people, that's where I found the spirit through everything else. That's like I've seen on the media. It, it, you know, gives me like negative feelings. And I think that's cause that's where it's coming from in my media sources. Uh, but for those people I've met, there's, there's goodness there. It's really nice. So with worshiping, this mother ayahuasca that's why i said all this stuff it's not that i i worship in that way at all okay Um, after after getting sick uh i was searching a lot for like what the hell is wrong with my brain and what can i do to make it better and uh i was you know started taking ginkgo and omegas and um lion's mane mushroom, which is just seems to promote neurogenesis. It's not nothing, no magic mushroom, just like, you know, <laughs> medicinal, uh, but without any kind of goofy effects. Um, and then I started hearing actually about magic mushrooms as as being like legit source. There's a book by Michael Pollan called how to change your mind that I got on audio cause I couldn't read anymore. And I listened to that and he talked about ayahuasca and And so I I started being interested in that. And I had a friend uh, that I know around here that had had an experience with it. And when he talked to me about it, I'm like, that sounds great. And it'd been like years and years since I'd had any psychedelics. You know, I'd done LSD and I'd done mushrooms and that was it. Uh, And, you know, I was like, I'm not gonna run after that, but if it comes my way, you know, we'll see what happens then. And well, through Facebook, Uh, I saw something was, was happening somewhere and said, all right, like now was the time it was, I had a background with native Americans, specifically black. Well, Ojibwe um, in, in Wisconsin area, uh, but uh, Blackfeet for the most part out in Montana and there, you know, there's a connection with plants for medicine that you Uh, there's a connection there. And I have had experiences in looking for plants where I've reached out to them and asked to have them help me find them, show themselves. And this I did share in in one episode. You know, these are my direct experiences. As crazy as they may sound, I'm just, this is how I experienced it. I'm looking one time for this medicine plant to go in the water for a sweat lodge and I was helping set it up early in the morning. And and I couldn't find any. And so I'm like, Hey, you know, where are you? And I heard this voice like little jingling bells, like here we are over here, over here, here we are. Right. And so I'm like, all right. So I go over there and I look and it was beyond where I could see uh, where I had been. And sure enough, there's a big patch of this right there. Um, And I've had some other experiences like that too. I, I did have an episode on talking with plants. So I had a respect for plants. I had, I had like, um, an honorific like uh regard for them as as entities as real beings and i decided i'm gonna try this ayahuasca. i'm gonna go travel to some place for it and and it's led by you know shamans from colombia and who have their ancestry and their traditions and that's important to me too that this isn't because it's a bit popular right now i didn't want it just to be by someone that wanted to Doing it, but rather from the tradition where it has always been a part of, mm-hmm. out of the rainforest. Uh, so in preparing for this, you do a diet called a dieta, and I'm I spent some time doing this, and I was really committed to it. I was totally dedicated to it, man. I was following it very closely, and and one of the symptoms from my uh, I don't want to call it a brain injury, my or mental illness either. Uh, that's has such a stigma to it, but my sickness was that uh, sometimes if I was preparing to do something, I would get, uh, almost have like an allergic reaction. It almost felt like I had histamines out in my body, but I wouldn't get any dots on the skin, but I would get really itchy in the joints. And uh, my wife had had an art opening uh, at around this time and she'd been given a whole bunch of flowers and we brought them home And I had already started the dieta, which means no medicine. So there's a medicine I would take, an antihistamine, when I would get these itches, and I wasn't taking it. And I was starting to get so intensely itchy, it was crazy. I say the flowers now, because it turned out it was the flowers. Once we ended up getting rid of the flowers, I didn't have that anymore. But I was willing to go through like such intense discomfort to stay on the diet to prepare for this. Just as a testament to like how serious I was in the, in approaching this, and I also reached out to uh, Ayahuasca and all the stories. I, I did as as much research as I could without wanting to set expectations. Yeah. And was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so in that, you know, it's always Mother Ayahuasca. For some reason, she comes in this very feminine, like very feminine form. She's it's a it's a she. And so I reach out to her as I'm like, I'm, I'm in a quite a difficult place at this point. I'm much better than I had been in the beginning of my illness, but I was still like spending a lot of time having a, a bath in a black bathroom without with noise canceling headphones and no light, you know. And, and I was reaching out and saying like, hey, I'm, I'm coming to meet you, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, like, you know, uh, I, I hope that this helps. the time of the ceremonies i did three nights and this is the first time i'm talking about this on the podcast as well so there's no way you would have known this for that i haven't talked about this to anyone but some close friends my wife um so come the time of the ceremonies i had three intentions to set out uh and the first intention was to have clarity on what happened in my childhood because it had been blocked out i'd had some healing through the Blackfeet with that this this main uh, guy that was facilitating healing there, he the first time I was out there, actually in 1995, he I said, I feel like I want healing for something. I don't know what it was. He's like, Kenny, you got some really heavy doors like, you know, you got to try and help me open them. And I I tried to help him open them. And He's like, all right, now you're going to have some memories that might come up, might come up now, might come up a year from now, might come up later. When they come, let them come talk to someone about them, talk about them. Like, you know, that'll, that'll help to let them out. And, uh, I, I started like within 10 minutes after that, I was just like, I don't know why I was crying, but I was just weeping. I was just like waterfalls coming out of my eyes and but I didn't know why I wasn't having any specific memory, but th- something had been triggered. My first intention was to have clarification on that because it never became quite clear. My grandmother would always say, Kenny, it's best that you don't remember that stuff. Uh, So that was my first intention. Second intention was to say, what am I supposed to do now with my life? Like what's, you know, because I've heard some people had said they got information like you should start this business, you should write this book, et cetera, et cetera. And I was at a crossroads and saying, asking for some direction. And the third was to have clarification on something that had happened to me again, that first year out with the Blackfeet where I'd had uh, like a intense dream type experience where I was outside of the tent that I was sleeping in. And there were two Native Americans like talking at me like, like matrix fast at the same time. And I wanted to understand more about what that was about. I didn't get clarification on that. And that's all right. The first night I had such an intense experience eventually it started out lovely and then i got what i asked for and it was so difficult to experience i will still describe it as the most difficult experience of my life for sure uh and and i'll leave it i'll, I'll be light about it right now i can maybe i'll do an episode more detailed about the whole experience later but that was the first thing and um, the second night, there was a, uh, each night there was a ceremony for some special healing. So there's some chairs set up and participants like a, a handful, five or so are set in the chairs and the, uh, there were um, two main people like that were uh, maestros or, or medicine people um, conducting the ceremonies from Columbia. And then a, a third who was a musician that he was also assisting very much and they would then go through these these ceremonies with different plant medicines like that were very aromatic um you know some smelled sweet some might uh just wake you up a lot uh, and shaking these leaves and singing icaros these these sacred songs that are just coming through them and in these ceremonies Kara, they they call in in the beginning like these ancestors like through the whole lineage of this all awesome. these teachers yeah it was really very nice and i felt we're, very comfortable oh, yeah, I can. go ahead
1: did you was it in Colombia
0: I'm not gonna say where it was oh okay um but uh but I will say that there is they um there is a center in colombia and i have had uh, a link in the interview I did with Carl Turpin who's now living there building helping build this new center in colombia um but I don't know what the legal status of it is uh, across europe I'll, I'll say it was in europe um okay. but uh I'll just leave it there I, I, I didn't go okay. to sorry to interrupt no that's okay that's okay um so uh the i i was called up to these chairs the second night and after the first night it was so incredibly difficult i was ready to pack my bags and go home and and i'm like ready to tell him hey this is too much for me because i was still healing too you know i i not a full brain. I'm not at full capacity. And like, was that too much for my nervous system? Like it was just really intense. And, and then as the morning went on, I realized, well, it was intense, but it's also exactly what I asked for. Cause I had full clarification. I had high res DVD like experience, you know, all like crushed into a short period of time and felt all of the difficult Experiences that were associated with that, like all in a very dense thing, hmm. and you would ask, you would mention that to me, but I didn't, I didn't connect the two yet when you mentioned it because I wasn't thinking ayahuasca at all, and I'll, so I'll, I'll get to that. But that's that was important that that happened the first night, and when I realized that I had gotten exactly what I asked for, that the medicine delivered, then I was like, okay, actually, that's amazing. And so I will go on, I'll do a second night. And that was difficult. That took a lot of courage, you know, to take another, you know, drink of ayahuasca and to go through it again the second night, but I did. Um, and I didn't have a second round. You can have a second round. I had a second round the first night, not the second night. I had a small second round the third night. The second night I'm brought up on these chairs for the special healing. And as they're, they're doing this healing, they go to each person. As this guy's in front of me doing the healing, I start to like, fall out. I start to like, you know, kind of go into a bit of a faint losing consciousness. And he's like, stay strong, stay strong. And I'm like, Yeah, I'm here. I'm I'm with you because I'm 100% committed. I'm like, I'm you got it. I'm here fully. And then the next thing I know, I'm waking up and someone is pulling me into my sleeping bag because I had someone said it looked like the bones had just left my body like I just went loose. I was I was gone. That's I guess there is four ways that you can experience ayahuasca. You can you can have no experience, you can sleep through it, you can faint during it, or you can have you can be alert the whole time and have this like um, you know intense, it's called psychedelic experience, but it is it is unique in in its experience for sure. Um, so I I had fainted. And they say when that happens, it's like strong medicine. And uh Funny enough, I was put in the wrong sleeping bag. I was put in the sleeping bag of, of the guy next to me who was also up on the chair getting healed. And I I saw that uh, I was next to someone else that I hadn't been next to before. And I thought that they were in the wrong sleeping bag. And I thought this is going to be funny when they come back to see like them wonder why they're in their sleeping bag. And it turned out to be me, which was a kind of a hilarious moment through all the serious intensity of the ceremonies. Um, and that's nice to have those things happen. So that's when I fainted. And that the second night was beautiful, and the third night was beautiful. And and as far as that experience goes, if you're called to it, you know that's your own call. I'm not advertising it. Um, it it has been it's very powerful medicine, and I I do absolutely recognize the incredible nature of it. Mother Ayahuasca, um, the first night she's like are you ready to see me? You know, it's like, I, it's like, she was talking to me first. Are you ready to see me? Are you ready to see me? I'm like, yeah. She's like, Oh yeah. Are you? And she was kind of like, like hiding, like, you know, like, are you ready? Are you ready? Uh, And then she came through and I cannot describe how specifically granularly feminine, like grandmother, mother, like, you know, it, it was so smack like feminine being entity. Uh, it was amazing. So I'll and 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 she continued to to be there right with me, helping me heal uh, that through the each three nights of the ceremony, and it was really amazing experience. That's as much as I'll say about that. Back to your healing. I know that was a lot, but man this is where it was amazing with the angel reading you did because i'm i'm on ancestry dna i'm ready for it being one of my grandmothers or someone else that's passed in our lineage that maybe i don't even know and you're talking about uh there's a woman there and she's holding me like a baby and she's like kissing my face and she's really protective of me and, and caring for me um but even though she's holding me like a baby, you said it's a little bit disturbing. So it's not like I'm, I'm, you know, clinging back to her or something. My arms were like, I'm, and I'm like, my arms are hanging limp because I saw that too. Uh, and you're like, yeah, your arms are hanging limp. And I'm like, yeah, hmm. and I'm thinking this is my grandma Ruthie, my mom's mom who passed last December, um, or two December's ago now. And I'm thinking it's 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 her, but I'm I'm trying to kind of you know I don't want to force it either i'm just listening and then you said uh you asked me had i had a really dark passage recently and you said maybe like you were you know feeling like suicidal even or something
1: it looked like you had died
0: uh huh okay the vision
1: i saw was that you were dead and somebody was scooping you up and kissing you and and holding you and trying to to breathe life back into uh-huh. you uh huh
0: well that's what it felt like the first night and i thought i was I thought I was dying. I was worried. Um, it was just the most difficult thing in my life, but also necessary. And I realized I was holding on to the pain. I was identifying with it. And as uh, as upset as I was about it, I also wasn't willing to not be upset about it to let it go. Uh, and that was that was necessary and that was transformative. Um, and that's what I associated with with that element of it. When you asked about that, and then you said, "Have you fainted recently? Did you faint?" And I haven't fainted except for that time, I haven't fainted in years. And I i don't think I said yes to you. I, I said, no, you know, not not since, not for a long time. But then he said, she's saying to tell you she was there when you fainted. Oh. <laughs> and then I was like, whoa. And then without me saying anything about Mother Ayahuasca or anything about the ceremonies, you were like, and it's like, she's someone that you pray to, something like that. You know, she's that yeah. kind of, and I was like, "All right, well, I got to tell you about this." So that's where it it was. And and also in the beginning of our session, when we're first starting to to sit, you know, together, sort of back to back, albeit you're across the Atlantic, be in that's you know, create the sacred space, be in that space together, you know bring up this energy and, and, you know, from the earth and from the heavens and connected. And, and as we're doing that, I was feeling the same sort of tremulous, odd feeling that in the, in these ayahuasca ceremonies in the beginning, as it's, as it's just starting to like, you know, um, take effect. It's, it was the same feeling and I didn't say anything new about that. And I just thought that's, that's fine. Like, I'm just going to allow, allow, allow whatever's happening here, but that we ended up there um was amazing and it has it does continue to teach me it continues to inform my own internal like what is it ontological experience no that's not it but you know the the self inquiry you know yeah curiosity um, yeah say again
1: curiosity Yes, the curiosity it with being curious rather judgmental like what does this mean what's the lesson where 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 does it come from.
0: Yes, certainly not judgmental. It that whole experience is, has allowed so much to continue to unfold and I, I just am continuing to learn and so you uh later had said and I, I'd message you this um you were you were kind of stuck around the word um verifying and you're like that was not quite it. But that's what it was, was, yeah. or validation. Yeah, no. you were saying validation, but that wasn't quite it. And then I was saying maybe it was verification because mm-hmm. that's what it was for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can, I as, as I would do so many times with the Blackfeet, I could have had an incredible experience that I couldn't explain. And then with enough time, my rational mind would try to, to force it into an explanation that I could accept, you know, according to my belief system. You know, which was, which is of a whole different place and, you know, yeah. whatever configuration. So, this, this, uh, yeah, not validation, but verification. That's, that's what it seemed to me like. It was like, that was so crazy, man. It was such a curveball that you threw because I'm waiting for a grandma, great grandma, someone. Yeah. And, and then when I said to you, Mother Iwashka, you were dead on. You're like, yeah, that's it. That's who it is.
1: Yeah. And I've never, um, that's not anybody I've ever heard of. I've never heard of ayahuasca. I don't know anything about it. I was like, is it mother Mary? Is it didn't, it just had this other feeling um, to it. And I want to speak to a few things of that. If I, if I may, please. First, this, when we're sending distance Reiki, it used to be when I first got started that, You and I are going to talk on the phone. I'm going to do this reading for you, but we have to invite the Reiki energy in. And I would say within the last couple of years, um, I've learned or have come to believe that um, the teachings of distance Reiki is not me inviting the energy in and sending it to you. It's sitting in the energy together so that we're one. So, if I'm laying hands on me, I'm still laying hands on you. So we do that opening intention and that visualization to to join up. And then we invite your guides or your angels or your spirits to to be in that light with us. and then i'm then I'm opening my eyes or my third eye and saying who who's that who's here? What does that look like? And um, so we're sitting in that same space, and I am and and i'm seeing that and what's been cool is so it, i believe that's what i saw for you and then one of these other experiences i have um hold on just a sec do you want to sure. switch okay That didn't turn off the coffee hold on a second i'm gonna yep. switch you got it you got it
0: Take this moment to remind anyone if you have any questions for Kara or for me, comments, ideas, things you want to share, send an email to all one time live at gmail.com.
1: Okay. I got distracted. That's cool. Um, so sitting in that space, one thing that I've learned over the years that is is so fun to do distance work is that no matter we can, we can be as one.
0: You said no matter the distance, you cut out. No matter something.
1: the distance, where okay. we're physically located, yeah. We close our eyes and and intend to share space. We can share space. So one of the fun things that's happened over the years, usually when I do distance work, is that they show me something that's happening with you. So I don't know if we got that. I can't remember if we had that. Like I'm going to give you a couple examples, but it, it's memorable I was thinking about this today to share some stories but one of the early on when I was doing a reading for somebody this woman lost her son and which is again super challenging for me um to get out of my own head and um and to trust what comes so to your point you just said something about like this happened with the um your first experience not ayahuasca the black what was black, it feed. black black feed,
0: feed indians yeah
1: so this thing happens and then you find a way to create a story around it so that you'll accept it and i find that that happens to me all the time that things things happen and then i'm in a reading and i'm like well that can't be true because i just did this and this and so that's why i'm pre- i'm projecting it onto this person yeah how i've shifted that perspective is that that information was presented to me so that I can res- I can share it with that person. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little more open to the signs coming earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, one example of that is, this is, I'm jumping around, but one example is I had a woman coming to my space and I just moved to this house. I am not a clean person. And I went to Costco and I had like three things of pledge. I, I It probably took me two years to use the pledge, but this was the, I created this space in my basement. And I actually, cleaned the room with lemon pledge uh-huh. and she was early i was running behind per usual and i had the pledge on the ledge of my window sill. so this woman comes in and i'm like i'm sorry because i i said i'm looking during this reading i look over i'm like lemon pledge does lemon pledge mean something because i just cleaned this room with lemon pledge and she goes oh my god my mother loved lemon pledge and used pledge all the time and so that was one of those times i'm like oh well maybe maybe i'm not making this shit up you know maybe this right. is there's a reason why i got the lemon pledge out or there's this i play a certain song i'm like why am i playing linda ronstadt she's like well linda ronstadt is my favorite you know my mom's favorite so when we're doing distance and doing it with this woman it's an emotional, so sad, 19-year-old son that died. And um, I'm wrapping up the session. And in specific sessions like that, they're hard. If you found this connection, it's hard to say, okay, it's time to say goodbye again. Right. It's, it's horrible because sometimes they haven't felt them. And it's just this, if you can feel your son, just like you felt Mother Ayahuasca, like it's a good feeling you don't want it to go away so I'm wrapping up and I'm like I'm really sorry can't remember this woman's name I said um I'm not hearing anything I'm not feeling anything anymore and I think it's time to wrap up and she's like oh and they said it she goes well how do you know that I'm like well I don't know it for sure but I can see your son and he's sitting there in this kind of chair like leaning forward with his elbows on his knees and his one ankles crossed over his knee. And he's just sitting there looking at me and she goes, how is he sitting? And I described it again. And she said, I'm in this room and I'm staring at his senior picture. And that's the exact pose that he is in in that oh, picture.
0: Oh. <laughs>
1: and it gives me goosebumps when I tell yeah. this story, it's been a long time. And like one time I was like, I had another woman and I said, are you wearing a flan? Or, or I'm seeing a picnic blanket. Like like, you know, a plaid wool picnic blanket. And um, this is when we lost her husband. And she said, well, I'm wearing this flannel Uh and I've got it wrapped around me, you know? And, and so it's like these moments where they're showing me that they're with that person yet I'm somehow I'm there or somehow they're there with me at the same time that they're there with you. And, um, I just think it's awesome. That's what's awesome about. It. I mean, it's great when somebody comes to see me because you you feel the touch and maybe you feel the energy, but that that ability to sit in the same space and, and maybe that's where the time thing comes in too. Like sometimes people have passed last week. Sometimes I have a great great experience with somebody whose parents died in um, in the French roundup of World War One. And do you remember Sarah's Key? Remember the movie and the book, Sarah's Key?
0: No, I don't know either.
1: Well, I don't know if we have time to tell the story or not, but-
0: We've got, well, I've got time.
1: Okay. <laughs> I got about 10 after one. But this, this just goes back to the element of time. So at first I'm like, oh no, you have to wait a year before you call me. Really, because I was so nervous about, I just don't know what the rules are. And I don't know who's going to show up. And I've come to trust that people get what they need and nothing that they can't handle. Much like your experience with Mother Ayahuasca that first night, like, well, I must need this. And this is for my healing and trusting that that's the case. I had this woman come who was probably 75 or 80, and I forgot about the appointment. You're getting a good feel for my lack of organization. (laughs) I I double booked her. I forgot about the appointment. She shows up at this place. She can't get into the, she can't get on the massage table. So I have to walk around the back. I'm flustered, totally Mm. flustered. And she, um, and she was referred to me by somebody and I thought it was a different connection. And I just was flustered. And her name is Giselle. And she spoke with a French accent. And I'm going to say she's 80 years old. And I'm holding onto her hand and I was like, Giselle, I'm gathering my thoughts here. I'm like, you've, you've got two people here. Now this woman's 80, she's probably had a lot of loss. So you've got two people here. There's a woman who you miss dearly. And there's a man here. And she's like, all right, well, it's probably my husband. I'm not sure the woman, and I said, well, the woman is, and I don't remember all the details. I'm just gonna share with you what it is yeah. I remember. I said, the woman is holding um, your hand. She keeps telling me she's gonna hold your hand. She's holding your hand. And she and, and you miss her like every day. And she said, well, that must be my sister. And I said, how do you know it's your sister? And she said, well, she always used to hold my hand. It used to really irritate me. She said, um, she, said uh, she goes, I remember being upset when I was 50 and said, I'm 50 years old. You don't need to hold my hand anymore. And I said, okay, oh, Well, that must be your sister. And I said, and what about this man? He's wearing a suit. He's pretty stoic. And she said, well, my husband would never have been in a suit. So again, I'm really flustered because I'm making it about me and I'm t- totally in my head. And I said, okay, well, could it be your dad? And she goes, it's not my dad. My dad died 75 years ago. And um, I didn't really know my dad. He died when I was six and I don't know him. And I was like, okay, well, he feels like he's an accountant, he's wearing a suit, and he's standing um, right behind you, like right connected to your shoulder. She goes, it's not my father. And I said, well, tell me how you know that it's not your father. Now, back up. I had read this book, Sarah's Key, years ago, and it. Became, I'm gonna say 15 years ago, and maybe five or six, 10 years ago, it came out as a movie. I never watched the movie, and it's a movie about World War II and the Holocaust. And this, apparently they had a roundup of Jews in Paris or a little province outside of Paris. Um, It's not talked about a lot because it happened in France and not Germany. And I think, and this woman loses her, um, they get rounded up. The brother is hiding in a little closet. He's four years old and he's left there. And the family goes away and it's her journey to come back and find the brother. Hmm. And I just watched that movie, like that weekend. Uh, And here I am, and I'm talking to this woman. I said, Tell me why your mom can't, why can't be your dad, or why what's the story? And she said, Well, she goes, I lived in in outside Paris in the summer of 19. whatever year it was, when the Jews did a roundup and my sister and I were at school and we came home and my parents had been taken because mm-hmm. I was Jewish. And, and I mean, I had goosebumps. I'm like, I know that happened because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I watched this movie and I read yeah. this book. So otherwise I would never have heard of it. I wouldn't yeah. have known anything about it. Yeah. And she said, uh, she goes, we came home and my parents were gone. And she goes, and somebody took us and took us to a convent. and got us to the United States and my sister, who was, I have goosebumps even telling the story, who was five or six years older than me, held my hand. She was my mother and she spent her life taking care of me and holding my hand. And I used to get resentful of it, but I miss holding her hand right now. And I said, so Giselle, why can't this be your dad? And she goes, well, I don't even think of my dad. It's been so long. And I said, well, what did, what did your dad do? And she goes, well, he was an accountant. Uh And I'm like, okay. And did do you have a picture of your dad? She goes, Well, I only have one picture. And I said, Is he wearing a suit? And she said, Well, yes, he's wearing a suit because he wore a dinner jacket every night to <laughs> dinner. And I'm like, Doesn't get much better than that, Giselle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and I said, That's why he's here because he wants you to know that he's still with you and he's been with you. Mm-hmm. And and let's just say that's your dad. Okay. And she kind of cried. She's like, well, okay. I've never thought of it. And then I said, and now I feel your dad over here or your husband over here. And he says, he's, he's been at the beach. And she goes, oh my God, my husband loved the beach. And so then we, (laughs) then I, then we talked to the husband, but it was just this, this to me, we talk about time was 75 years ago. And like, what's the, how long do these souls, these souls stay around And, and that's when I started, well, I don't know, that's, that kind of confirms the questioning is maybe it's not some spirit coming from this place down to see you. Maybe it's all, maybe it's how this woman, she didn't have a lot of memories of her dad. She remembered a photograph she had of him in a suit. She remembers that they all sat down for dinner together and that he was an accountant. Maybe that's how he lives within her. You know, I don't, I don't know about how the, how the timing works. If it's just all a spectrum, I'm sure you have a theory on that.
0: I I, just that I I loved I I loved that you had, for whatever reason, been that you had seen Sarah's Key the weekend before. And uh, I I will be talking about flow before I set season one down. I talked about it a bit in the intro to the last episode with Jacob Oblitz. And and you are talking about it right now, how. To be to allow these things to happen, and then it may not be obvious for a while, but then you can see what an incredible not coincidence it was. I mean that that it was purposeful, that it was fated, it was destined, it was important. Um, and and I think for me to enable that to happen is something about being less rigid. It's allowing the thing to happen, however it works. It's quite mysterious in terms of time. Definitely it's a it's such an incredible experience to we all come from the same source however far back we can go it is source one we are all an expansion of that source so we are connected somehow and that we are this fleshy material you know thing now our vessel is we experience time in that way but the reality behind it behind the material is totally a different experience of time, for sure. That's yeah. what I, that's how I experience and understand it. And I can even apply science to that. Um, but, uh, it, I don't need to, go it doesn't for it. <laughs> what'd you say?
1: I said, go for it. Well, I can't.
0: <laughs> well, it, the ghost in the machine, if you will, right. The, the consciousness that we're, you know, having this conversation between right now mm-hmm is not material i can i can lose an arm or a leg or whatever you know and and until a certain point when my vessel isn't functioning anymore i'm still this consciousness i'm still this being it's not material it's not connected to the flesh when when the flesh goes uh you know as long as we're connected to it we kind of are abiding by the rules that govern the material plane the the kind of uh the einsteinian thing of a mat, an object of matter cannot travel at the speed of light because e equals mc squared because as the object approaches that speed its mass begins to expand to the point where so they so time will be experienced slower because distance is experienced relative to the speed um Everything on Earth may be seeming to speed up very fast. And, you know, as you approach that speed, things are slower. And at that speed, you would have infinite mass. So all things, all places, all at once. So no place. So no place, no distance, no distance, no time. And everything is is simultaneous. And it's, of course, theoretical. But that's what he's talking about. And to me, that's how it seems to make sense. It's why I think sledding is fun because there's something innate within us that wants to experience speed because it feels good. Because at a certain point, we want to have that release of going much faster than we're going in this physical vessel.
1: That's interesting.
0: That's, I've I've long been curious about that. And there's also something about space too um where we we identify with objects a lot right but when we identify when we're able to disidentify with the object or perhaps pay attention more to the space the space that is between all things the space that exists everywhere that space then enables that's where all things happen that enables the movement that enables creativity and change and that's also a connection that everything has
1: the space
0: between. Yeah, the space between. That was that was something that I was visited after doing a fast in the mountains. I've told the story in here a few times, but the short version for you. I came down after four nights of fasting up on the mountains in Blackfeet land. No water, no food. Um was sleeping in a roundhouse, uh, had had a meal had a dream where I woke up in the middle of the night. This is one of those dreams where it's like, it's real. Like I wake up where I'm sleeping. And as far as I know, I'm not dreaming. This is real. And there was kind of like this mist around the floor and the Dalai Lama shows up. Not the current Dalai Lama, some previous incarnation of a Dalai Lama who I've never seen, but in this dream, that's who it was.
1: And you just knew it with the Dalai Lama. Cause I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what the Dalai Lama looks like. It
0: was, it was clearly the Dalai Lama in this experience and and i'm like dalai lama he's like yeah I'm, I'm here to teach some things i'm like oh great i want to learn something from you, but i got to do some tasks first i got to sweep up you know but you know can i come to you after i'm done with these chores he's like yes you know so i do these chores and i come back dalai lama's gone and i'm like a little bit miffed i'm like dalai lama like where'd you go you said you're going to teach me Boom, dalai lama appears again and he says this is what i have to teach you there's a space between all things. Between all things there is a space and it is within that space that everything happens. And that was it. I didn't I couldn't figure that out for decades, Kara. I thought about that for decades because it was such a clear experience. It was so clear it stayed with me, but it seemed nonsensical. But now I in the past year or two years, I have now really it makes sense to me. And this is through practicing Eckhart Tolle and like being present and and uh, incorporating everything I've learned along the way up to now and wanting to really deep dive into the direct experience of being present, which is completely realizing that this, this stuff here, the fleshy stuff, the material stuff is just passing through. It's just a, it's not what is. Mm-hmm. It just is what appears to be. And and it makes sense to me now, though it's dif- as difficult to describe as that riddle seems to be when you first hear it too.
1: Yeah, yeah I, 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 I can not speak to it right now. I have to think about it. I keep thinking of Dave Matthews' band, The Space Between, and then I just come up, I just heard a new song by Ben Howard. I think it's called Bones, but I'll definitely forward it to you. Um, Thank you. It's the space between the happiness and the hardness. Mm-hmm. You know, and isn't that the present moment that where we are right now? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a great, I love music. And so that's
0: even with things. the hardness, some of the most important experiences I've had have been when I'm going through a hard time to sit with it. Yeah. To to sit with it and to hold it and to give it the space it's requiring because that is what's happening right now.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a challenging practice, and that's that's something that I've spent years avoiding. That hardness.
0: Yeah, I think that's the habit. I mean, it's it's certainly not a fashionable thing to have uh, yeah. to be experiencing difficulty. It's the kind of thing that we sort of tuck away in the closet and don't don't share with the neighbors, you know. Mm-hmm. Yet it's it's an it's a thing that everybody experiences. Um, yeah, and so. To, to allow yourself, at least, even if you don't share it with anyone, to, to look at it, to unpack it, to examine it, to allow it to be, to give it the space. Then you can hear what it has to tell you. And then it can, like, go off and not be, like, stuck in the closet anymore,
1: you know. One of my favorite books I just did a class on this morning um, talks about that, it Talks thinks about, uses the analogy of cleaning out your closet, that your home is your vessel and the regular art of weeding and cleaning and when you t- like when you go to clean out your closet sometimes we start with your bedroom closet your big closet and you pull all your shit out and then you've got this big pile and then it's so overwhelming that then you just shove it all back in the closet <laughs> yeah. and, and it's really hard to unpack and sit in it and sort it out and then let it go um, and it just gets overwhelming and messy and just too much. And you throw it back in. So to start with those little junk drawer, start with the junk drawer, start with yeah, a little space, start with your car, you know, and, and clean it out and look, what's bothering me. What's this, this little thing that I'm holding on to and look at it, feel it, and then let it go. And it's a constant act. Like we think we're clean. And then you think you've cleaned out. You think you've dealt with your daddy issues and you've cleaned that out, but just like our kitchen or our bathroom, you have to continually clean it. Like mm-hmm. you don't just clean it once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta keep going back. And it's a little easier if you do it on a regular basis because there's not so much junk that comes up, but but it's a, it's a practice and a habit versus just digging out that bedroom closet and then getting overwhelmed
0: yeah letting it letting that energy continue to flow not to do it once and then close it up again you talked about that earlier and that's i was talking to a good friend of mine the other night um who i interviewed actually it's my first interview ralph lewis is a great guy love you ralph hello um and we're talking about uh things getting stuck and flow and and uh I interviewed uh, his partner um, who's an acupuncturist and that acupuncture is about flow, about unblocking those channels. Heather talked about that too. And and that, I mean, there's so much about continuing to allow movement, allow energy to, to be moving, not to get stuck with an idea or with a identification or you know i mean it can happen it happens all the time you know it's not a sin it's not a a horrible mistake it happens all the time but when we're able to continue to let the air move in and out to let the you know not to have the clog form but to let the flow keep going on it's something I'm practicing right now. That's what I am working on now. It's why I'm setting down the the season, actually, because it has become too much of a regular thing. I want to complete some episodes and interviews, including this one, uh, and a few others, but not many—two or three maybe—and then I set it down, um, <laughs> because I want to open up for what's next. I want to kind of shake loose that regular, you know, weekly thing and like just open to flow.
1: Yeah. And that is, I mean, that is what Reiki is. It's moving through. We're not taking things out or putting things in. Um, I think that's more shamanism where you see what's there and then the shaman removes it or they place some of the tools in. Reiki is all about that flow of energy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, I, I practice a lot of yoga, but it's, you can't let go of things if you don't look at them first, you don't know what you're letting go of. So you have to have the courage to look and to see what you're holding on to, see where you're getting stuck, feel it, and then let it go. And then something else has room to come in. It's very seasonal and cyclical and pretty awesome. But you have to be open to to the negative. And that's that's the thing too that's with what I do, not just the Reiki, but the readings. Like I was so set that it was somebody who died, who'd passed on, who was coming to speak. But sometimes when you are talking about the vessel, sometimes the energy or the personality that I feel, I just call it spirit, the spirit that I'm feeling. They're like, well, that person's still alive. Mm-hmm. But if the body dies and that spirit can come back after 80 years or after a week and communicate somehow with me, who then communicates it with you, but we're all in the same space, so they're really communicating with you, then then, how come if the body's alive but not present in the same room that it can't be communicating? And and so that was like this whole shift for me, like, right well, it's just spirits. <laughs> maybe it's just that divine energy that you're talking about, the soul that's communicating and maybe Maybe they're not coming from someplace else. Maybe they're right here. If we can share that space and I can touch me and touch you, why can't that soul be right there too? Well, that's pretty cool to, pretty cool to think about. And it gives you, to me, gives me such a, such a sense of peace. I'd rather have the people that I love alive and in body and laying right beside me and holding my hand. But once their body goes, if I know that I can if their soul's right there with me or I can close my eyes and breathe and be there with them, just like you and I can be together across the country, across the oceans, then um, it brings me a lot of peace.
0: It's so exciting and great that you enable that openness and that you allow for first an understanding that you uh, it, it may be possible that any of us uh, may be projecting an expectation and to recognize that, and to let it go, and then to allow whatever's happening to be undefined and just to happen—that's yeah. so beautiful. It's so good. It's so great. I had a dream a few nights ago. Uh, what during our session, um, it was maybe my dad's dad that was coming through. We talked about between my two grandfathers. It could have been both um, in parts, but I had a dream a few mornings ago. Really. Uh, after I would meditated for a while, it's the best it's my favorite thing to do is to like if I wake up four, 430 meditate for a while you know. From anywhere from 10 minutes to an hour and then go back to sleep ah that next sleep is like the best. And it was in that portion of sleep that I had this dream where my dad's dad came my grandfather I hadn't seen him since you know before fifth grade when he passed and he came and I think I was sitting on a couch with my wife and he was going to sit like in a chair across from us. And I'm like, no, 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 like sit, like squeeze in man, like sit right here, like sit right next to me. And, and he's like, what is it? Like something like, you know, he was going to say something to me or me to him. And I'm just like, I just want to hug you. Like I haven't hugged you in so long. It is so good to hug you. And it was so real. It was one of those special visceral dreams. It was so real.
1: That That was great.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, such a gift. Yeah, the next best thing to having them, you know, right there next to you on the couch or something is is to have yeah.
1: that connection. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty awesome.
0: It's a mystery, man. Everyone that I've asked about it, um, all the wise guys I know, like it's it's a mystery, and that's fine. It's it's good to allow the mystery. We can experience it as we experience it. We don't. Yeah, have it's
1: it, it's interesting to me. It does create. And to your point, you said in the beginning, like with Reiki or, and with healing, you have to invite it. I don't. Maybe you don't have to invite it, but allow it. Allow it, and this this that shift to happen. Yeah. You know this like that going with the flow. I think that sometimes people come see me, or they have an experience, and it shifts the whole way that they view the world. And um, I don't know. It's just it's interesting.
0: Have you had, how much time do you have right now? I,
1: I have about, I should wrap up soon.
0: Okay. Well, let's, let's do that.
1: Okay. Um,
0: if if there's a season two, I'd love to talk some more. Um, oh,
1: I'd, it would be great. This is so much fun.
0: <laughs> you have such, you have such an excellent, uh, you know, assortment of direct experiences. And what I was just going to ask you now, but we'll have to leave that for, it's a cliffhanger. Um what what other people may have shared back to you where they were surprised, didn't expect it. And like you just said right now, like you know, it's enabled them to like change fundamentally change the dynamics of the paradigm that they're now existing in, you know.
1: I get a lot of feedback, Ken from people. You know, they want to, um, yeah, they, I get a lot of feedback. just brings us, I think, a sense of peace.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much um we'll we'll text about how we'll share this tagging okay. or not or links or not or whatever like that
1: great i am um, i will i have two clients tomorrow but i've got a lot more time tomorrow so we'll get you whatever else you need
0: cool no worries as it happens okay. it'll just be fine everything's all good i love it thank you so much thank, thank you God. thanks Namaste. all right till next right. time bye bye for now